Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. As of August 2nd, we have resumed in-person worship services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are committed to the health and safety of our families and will continue to offer our simultaneous live stream at youtube.com slash area 10 faith community. We hope you'll join us at the Bird Theater again soon, but in the meantime, we're providing the best possible online experience we can for you. Now, on to this week's message. You've probably seen a lot of memes pop up over the years, and especially around COVID in the last year or, t- or two, there's been some memes that popped up, and one that I noticed uh, came up, it was about last December, maybe sometime around Thanksgiving, I guess, uh, and it was this meme that said it was the deadliest days in U.S. history. Maybe you've seen it. I'll put it up on the screen. The deadliest days in U.S. history, and they give these numbers, right, of, of the worst days of death in U.S. history, and the number one is the Galveston hurricane, 8,000 people died in a day, roughly, Antietam was up there, we all think of that as the bloodiest single day in U.S. history at 3,600, and then the earthquake San Francisco, and then it kind of, and then Pearl Harbor's down at the bottom, and in the middle there, they they're making a point about COVID, and so the, the, the meme says that, well, last Thursday, because of COVID, 2,800 people died, and last Wednesday, 2,762, and so they kind of made this point, and if you didn't, you know, and I saw friends post this, and if you didn't know what the point is, the point is very much at the bottom, where it says, wear a mask and avoid gatherings, and this is prior to vaccines, that would probably today say, wear a mask and get vaccinated, right? So, um, so that, was, that was a thing, and I, and I, I read that, and... Um, probably because I'm a bit of a contrarian, you know, I, I was like, I don't know about that. Let me just look at that. Let me think about that. Is, is that right? Um, and, and, and something about it was bothering me. And, and, and thinking about it a little bit and trying to reflect on it, here's what's bothering me. Um, I don't think it goes far enough to, to, to really get the point across because I think it's, it's, not, it's not quite getting at the right thing or it's not going far enough. I, I think the problem and the thing behind that meme is that is, is the issue about death, is that people are dying. And it's trying to be dramatic. It's trying to give you, it's trying to make you afraid and anxious and have the OMG reaction. And if you wonder why we're so afraid and anxious these days, because this times a million, we've got just a lot of this data coming at us of like, oh, you should be afraid and you should be scared of everything. And I think this didn't go far enough, because when I saw the numbers, it was like 2,700 died last Thursday and due to COVID. And I was like, oh, wait a second. You're not even getting it. It's, it's way worse than that. For example, heart disease is 1,805 people a day in this country. So it's heart, just heart disease, right? And I guess that's preventable in some way about how we eat and exercise and all that. Uh, cancer is 1,642 people a day in this country. So you start writing that up, and when you look at all causes of death in America right now, it is 7,821 people per day. So if we want to get honest about the graph and not compare it to natural events and wars, but just, just kind of go like, hey, so people are dying. If that's what we're trying to say, if people are dying, you should be concerned. Let's be honest about it. 7,821 people per day die in this country of all causes put together. And you go, oh, that's, that's a lot. But, I mean, let, let's be honest about it. This is what's going on. And no amount of masking up or whatever is going to fix that right? Maybe there are other solutions about we're all dying. Maybe we could eat better. Surely we could eat better. We probably consume way too much sugar. Corn syrup shop probably should have never been invented. Um, we should probably exercise more. We're all probably 
too sedentary at our jobs. I think we are vitamin D deficient, at least that's what they tell me. So go walk and get some sun and don't put on sunblock or something. Uh, Probably the blue screen from your phone is like killing your, frying your brain and it's slowly killing you. Like you need to exercise more, you need kale. Like there's probably this long list of things that we could do. And if we did all of it like perfectly, maybe we would live a little longer and maybe tomorrow won't be your day. You know, you're not gonna die tomorrow because you're doing all these things, you're extending life out. But I think the real thing behind all of that is you're, you can do all of it. You can do all of it perfectly. You're still going to die. 7,800 a day. And yeah, there's hundreds of millions of people in this country, so 7,800 doesn't seem like a lot. And, and, and maybe we, we're kind of numb to it. It doesn't feel real to us. I mean, I was thinking about it, and I actually looked this up. They have a website. You can check this. As of, this, as of today, I have been alive on this planet for 16,620 days. So I feel like I've really got a streak going. Like, every day I get up, I'm alive again. And then the next day, it's like, I did this again. I got up again. I'm alive again. And it's really easy to start thinking that that's just going to go on forever. Because, like, it always has. It, it works every time. I keep, I keep being alive each day. And you can sort of lull yourself into believing that this is the way it will always go. But the truth is, it's not the way it will always go. One of those days... I won't get up again, and I'll be gone. And that's not just true of me. That's true of everybody who can hear my voice right now. There will be a day for you, and we don't know when it is, but there will be a day. could be soon. It could be way in the future. And, and you'll be gone. You'll be gone too. We're all going to die. And we have like a denial about it. We don't talk about it. The only place you might talk about death really is maybe in a church, uh, maybe if you saw a movie that moved you, there might be some conversation about death. But we don't talk about it much. In fact, there's been this whole organization that started over the last couple of years called Death Cafe. And it is this, these people who come together in cafes to have conversations about death because they, they, even they will say outside of a church, you just don't talk about, in our culture, we don't talk about death very much. We, we, we almost have a denial about it. It's definitely coming. One day that 7,821 people per day will include us. We know that. We know that's going to happen. And yet we don't talk about it. And I think we're a, a, a bit afraid. And, and we don't talk about it until something wakes us up. September 11th, 2001 was for a lot of us a wake-up day. It was a, oh, people die in, in horrific ways and this is, this is horrible. And so you had to think about death. Um, there was a year, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but do you remember a year about three years ago where a lot of celebrities died that year? And it felt like everybody was posting online, oh, it was like 2018 or something. It was like, oh, 2018's the worst. You know, Prince died or whoever it was. All these famous people die in the same year. And it was like, I can't believe it. This, this year's awful. Those people were saying that because they had never experienced 2020 at that point. They, were, they still thought 2018 and a couple celebrities dying was the, the thing, right? They had not experienced what was about to come, right? And then 2020 was another one of those moments where a virus brings the, the, the concept of death front and center to us. And if it wasn't front and center to you, CNN ran a ticker of how many people were dying so you could, you could build up some anxiety. You could watch your anxiety go up in a number every day for about nine months they were running this. Like, oh, you know, people are dying. It was this constant reminder of like, yo, this thing ends and, and this is real. And, I, and I've sort of thought all along that uh, 
one of our biggest issues in all of this and what COVID has highlighted for us is that we're afraid to die. We're afraid of it. We, we, we're very afraid of that whole thing. We don't look at it. We don't want to talk about it. And I actually think that the concept of death is where Christianity should really shine. And historically, it always has. In the Roman Empire, when Jesus walked the earth, the average age, because you've uh, you got child mortality and there's really high and all that, but the average age of, of uh, that someone would live to be about 35. Because if you think about all the things that could kill you in the world, and there are many, I mean, apparently a root canal, if you don't get like the infection taken care of, would kill you, right? So if you don't have dentistry, you could die from things like that. So, um, so, so the, the, the life expectancy in the Roman Empire in Jesus' day was very young. And so people are used to people dying early, dying of conditions, plagues, fires, you know, lots of stuff that will happen. Um, and then children dying pretty often uh, in the ancient world. It was, you know, babies and, and all that. They just didn't have the health care and stuff. So um, even as recently as 100, 150 years ago in this country, uh, chances are, if we were living in 1850 or something like that, or, uh, we, would, we would all come from large families and, ha- and maybe a, several of our siblings would have died in childhood. Like it would have been a very, very normal thing. Um, and we're, we'd be very used to it. And so into the, into the ancient world where life expectancy is low and people die, um, uh, Jesus comes along and he starts saying some very extraordinary things. He talks about peace and love and all the things that you think about. But, but he starts saying things like, um, I'm going to die and then three days later I'm going to come back from the dead. And this was very odd for people to hear in the ancient world, just like it would be odd today. If someone came up to you in Kroger and said, I'm going to die in a week and then I will come back from the dead, you would be like, you're crazy. That's not going to happen because you Western-educated scientific minds of the, of the 21st century, you know that people don't die and come back from the dead. That's nonsense. So if someone said that to you now, you'd be like, no, okay, weirdo, you know, whatever. And in the ancient world, they didn't have all the scientific knowledge that we have today, but they knew something about dead people because they saw it a lot, and they know that once you're dead, you're dead, and that's it. And so Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to come back. And people are like, this is wild. But, but here's the thing. If he actually does it, if he says he's going to die and come back, and then he comes back from the dead, I mean, that's, that's kind, of, it's kind of a big deal, right? Like, that, that's a, that should be a game changer for all of us. Like, we all know the score. You die and you stay dead. And then one time, that didn't happen. And this guy died, and he came back from the dead. Wouldn't you go to him and be like, hey, uh, clearly you have an in on some things in the universe. Like, clearly you've got something going on that I don't have going on. Can you answer some questions for me? Because I, I want to know, like, what, what's going on? What am I missing? I want to know how to do it. If, you, if I can die and come back, like, and be, see people again and all that, like, how do we, how do, we do this? So I want to I talk about this, um, this fear of death that we have. We've been doing this series on fear because I think it's, it's kicked up in a lot of us over the last year or two. And I think it's important to talk about, and there's different aspects of fear. And I want to talk about the fear of death today. I've been looking up some good definitions of fear, and, I, and a friend of mine passed this one on to me that I really liked. It's fear is being miserable in advance of misery. Fear is being miserable in advance of misery. 
I think that's really good. It actually comes from a larger quote from Seneca that I want to put up on the screen, the ancient Stoic philosopher Seneca. He said this, It is ruinous for the soul to be anxious about the future and miserable in advance of misery. I love that. It is ruinous for the soul to be anxious about the future and miserable in advance of misery. Um, This is why Jesus tells us not to worry, that God's got these things under control. And so I want to to talk to this, and I want to jump into the book of 1 Corinthians. We have been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians this year. We're about to jump back into it on October 24th, back to chapter 11. Um, But on Easter this year, I started with 1 Corinthians 15, and then we went back to start at the beginning of the book, and I want to jump back into 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 could almost stand alone as a chapter on its own, and it covers some really incredible ground about death and resurrection. And so we talked about it on Easter, but I want to kind of expand on it this morning and, and read it to you. Paul's writing this letter to a church in, in, the, in the city of Corinth, it's modern-day Greece, um, and he says this, First uh, Corinthians 15, verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried... He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul says, I want to give you this thing, and he, he calls it, the way he refers to this, what he's about to tell us is it's of first importance. This is the key lesson of life. Paul would say, this is the most important thing I could tell you, and, and, and this is it. And he basically gives us this gospel summary and says, here's, here's what happened. Jesus was alive, then he wasn't, then he came back from the dead, and he appeared resurrected from the dead to a whole bunch of people. A lot of them are still alive. You can go ask them. And he, he even starts naming names, and finally he says to himself, himself Hey, as one untimely born, like I missed it when it first happened, but Jesus appeared to me later. Um, I got to see this at all, uh, as well. And he says, this is first importance. Now, when I read that to you, if you're a Christian, you go like, yeah, I know this. I've heard this before. Like Jesus died, came back from the dead. That's kind of the thing. And if you're not a Christian, you're probably like, nah, I don't know. Like that's, that's, that's a little weird. Okay, maybe it's like an ancient myth and we don't really know what happened back then, that kind of stuff. And I, I understand all that. and We, we can address that at, at some point. But I, I hope this isn't yawn-inducing material for you. Like I hope you don't hear this and go like, ah, resurrection, death, you know. Because like think about what we're talking about here. This death thing that we are all so familiar with. What if it was different? What if you die and then you come back from the dead, and there's this resurrection. And Paul is not talking about a metaphor. He's not talking about Jesus rose above, and we should rise above. Jesus fought off the enemies, and we should fight our enemies. It's not a metaphor. It's not a spiritual thing. It is a very physical, real thing. Jesus died. He was very, very dead, and then he was very much not. It's real. It's physical, it's actual. This is what he's talking about. And if it, if it happens, if, if that really is a thing, what difference would that make now in the way we live? I mean, I could still die tomorrow. I could die from cancer. I could die from a disease. I could get hit by the ice cream truck. Like, something could happen. I mean, and I chase it, so it's likely, you know. Um, 
I could be gone tomorrow. And so what difference would any of this make, right? Is it just a nice story? Well, Paul believed that because Jesus came back from the dead, he believed that we will too. Listen to what he says further down in the chapter. But in, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Jesus is the first one to do it, but he says it's coming for us too. We shall live again physically, a a new body, not not, uh, a spiritual body floating with the angels on clouds, that kind of imagery. Um, This is a very tangible thing. There will be a new body for us, and we'll be alive again. And I want to bring that front and center because I think the implications of that fact, if it is indeed a fact, the implications of that for us are, are huge. What if, you, what if you truly believe that you will live eternally, that you will die and then come back from the dead? Doesn't that change something? Like we think, oh, on the average I get 78 years in, in, in America, you know, average lifespan, 70 years. Okay, I'll get that. Maybe I'll get a little long more if I eat healthy or whatever. Like we, we, we think we get a, a, this amount of time, that's it. We, so we don't make plans beyond us, really. We don't have a 200-year plan. We don't have a thousand-year plan. We just go, well, I'm just here for a little bit, and then I'm gone, and that's it. But what if we thought long-term? What if we thought eternal? What if we thought this isn't the end, that there is more to come? What if we thought death is not a period at the end of our life, but it's a comma, and then we start the next thing? I think if you believed in life beyond death, some things would change. If, 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 we lived, if we lived and thought eternally, what matters now and what I value right now, we would see those things differently. Some of the frustrations that I experience now, we would see as temporary. And also some of the pleasures that we experience now, we would see them as temporary. The whole idea of we should just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die implies that we think that death is the end. And so we better party it up now because we're only going to die and, and that's the end. But if we believe in eternity and if we believe in life after death, life beyond the grave, then we don't have to think that way. We don't think eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. We go, no, I'm, I'm in this thing for the long run. I don't want to be stupid for the long haul. I want to I be smart with the time and, 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 and do things well and, and live for a higher, a higher calling, a higher purpose. I mean, how, how, would, how would our view of marriage change if we thought eternally? Because the story we tell people is you have to get married because this is the only life you have and you have to find a soulmate, which I think means a person that you're connected to for the rest of your life. I don't know if it extends into the afterlife. There was that one Robin Williams movie. It made it very confusing. I don't know how it works for sure. I don't write greeting cards for a living, so I can't entirely speak to soulmate. But what I can tell you is we put a lot of pressure on people to find this person because if... Because what is unsaid is, because if you don't, you're going to die, and then you'll be alone, and there's nothing after that, so this is your shot, right? You don't want to throw away your shot, we learned in Hamilton. So, so this, is, this is what we say, and it's like, man, why don't we take some pressure off that? What if marriage is, it's certainly temporary, it goes to the grave, but then beyond that, what if there's better relationships 
eternally than you can even imagine right now? What if there's a greater sense of fulfillment, connection, intimacy, love, peace, joy? What if we have all of those things to an incredible degree beyond the grave? Doesn't that take some of the pressure off? I have to find this and I have to have this exactly the way I want it here and now? I, 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 think, it, I think it could if we think that there's something greater coming for us. If we live for the life beyond death, um, it changes some things. It changes our sense of hope. It changes what we're hoping for, what we're living for, what we're willing to die for, what, our, what, what we feel about the good and the bad, the disappointments and the triumphs. It gives us a sense of perspective on life where we don't have to be satisfied with everything that just happens here and now, and I don't need everything to work out exactly my way. Yes, I'm going to still be disappointed. Sure, I believe in heaven. I believe in eternity. doesn't mean I'm, I'm not going to be disappointed when things don't work out, but it doesn't have to be so soul-crushing to us. C.S. Lewis says, kind of about a different context, but I love the way he says this, and I think it, it applies. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Uh, and I love the way he explains it. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We're making mud pies in the slum when, because we can't even picture what holiday by the ocean would look like, what vacation by the sea would look like. We can't even imagine it. We are far too easily pleased. And he's talking about how we chase around pleasures, but I think it speaks to eternity as well. We just think this is all there is, and we can't imagine anything greater than that. Listen to Paul when he gives us the implications then of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Listen to what he says later in that chapter. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul talks about our bodies, and he says, man, our bodies are, are breaking down. They're perishable, and they're going to be replaced by a body that is imperishable. Um, the fact that my body is perishable and that is breaking down is more real to me now than it was a decade ago, and then a decade before that. There was a period of time, and it was a short window, where I felt pretty imperishable, and that just, you know, you're only immortal for a limited time, unfortunately. And so uh, now I'm more aware that my body's breaking down. And I've talked to people who are older than me, and they have confirmed that this con condition continues. Like, it, I will continue to feel this way, and it doesn't actually get better. So we're all aware of it eventually. You go, okay, I'm broke. It's bro things are, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm slowly falling apart here. Um, and, and what is offered is a new body. Um, there will be a day where we can, where we can uh, eat all the chocolate and it's, and it's healthy. 
Right now, we just tell ourselves it is, but it actually could be, you know, where we could run and never grow tired. Man, you read the end of, of the, the last battle in C.S. Lewis uh, in the Narnia when he talks about uh, arriving at heaven, and they, it's like they run and don't grow tired, and they can just go cover all this terrain and see all these things. Like, it's this incredible vision of heaven. You eat, and it's not bad for you. You run, and, and you don't grow uh, tired. There's just incredible things that will come. Your body will be different. Your body will be able to dance and you won't go tired and you'll actually maybe look good doing it or whatever, <laughs> unlike some of us, you know. Uh, so, like, there's, there's, an incredible, there's an incredible future offered to us um, when, when, we, when we follow Christ. I love that Paul basically taunts death in this passage. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Um, I, I love that. Two ideas with that. One, this idea of, of victory. Um, death seems like it wins. It seems so final. It seems like it is the end. It seems like it has victory. Because if you have a terrible life and things do not work out well for you and you just, oh, it's misery and hard and struggle or whatever, and then you die, death wins. Sorry you had a bad life, but death won. But here's the deal. If you have an awesome life and it was all, you know, like Crystal and, 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 and Bentleys, like, and it's like, oh, this is just so great, I'm living life, whatever. You still die at the end of that. Like, you, 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 did you win? No, death wins again. You die at the end of that life too. And so Paul says, man, death, we're, you don't even actually get the victory. This is what Jesus does when he, when he rises from the dead. He goes, no, this, death is not going to win here. And then he's the first fruit, so he shows us that it, it, death doesn't have to win for you either. It doesn't have to be the final word on your life because Jesus has defeated death and he's, and he's moved beyond it and, and pulls us beyond it as well. So if, if Jesus has done that, if he has defeated death, there's victory over death, why are we so scared of death? Why are we afraid? You know, 150 years ago probably in this country and, in, and maybe in the world, um, you would talk about death more. You would be around it more. You'd probably have siblings who died. You, um, what you wouldn't talk about 150 years ago is sex and reproduction. Those things are like women go give birth over here. Men aren't even allowed in the room. Like, and there's just like this, there's, there's things you don't talk about. So you, you would talk about death. You wouldn't talk about sex and reproduction. We live in a culture that's the opposite. We will talk about all our sexual business out loud, but we won't talk about death. And it's weird. And I was trying to think about, you know, why that is. Um, and I think it's because we die differently than we used to. Now when we die, it is this dystopian world of, like, machines and tubes and beeping. And you just, like, there, there's medications and all these things. And there's hospital bed. And it's, like, a little bit cold. And it's just, like, that's how we see death. And we, we sort of go, like, oh, that's, that's not great, you know. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago. 100 years ago or something, if, if you died, if mama died, mama died at home or surrounded by people that she loves in a bed and she talked to her kids and she talked to her husband and everyone talked and they had conversations about it, about what was happening. And then when she died, they had to, everybody had to carry her and, and bury her out back. Like, it, so if you're a child... You, you saw death. It wasn't behind a door. Like, you know, you, you know what was going on. So it was very real to you then. 
in a way that it's not to us now. And so maybe part of the reason we're scared about death and it feels like it has victory over us is, is because we don't see it in, in the same way. But there's another reason. Sociologist Peter Berger said that our society is like a world without windows. What he means by that is if you can imagine driving a car, the thing you need to drive your car well is windows. You think about it. You think, oh, I need an engine and I need wheels. Yeah, but if you don't have windows, don't get in the car. Like, because in order to drive well, you have to see through the window and see what's out there. If you can't see what's out there, you're going to hit a tree or a person or another car or something. You imagine driving a car with no way to see and, and, and you felt like you really needed to go somewhere and drive? It's terrifying. Everything can kill you out there and you could hit all of it. And in some way, society is like that. When we look at death, it's completely opaque. We're, we have no windows out into eternity. What changed for the early Christians is they believed what Paul said here, and they believed that Jesus rose from the dead, and it changed their view. They had a window with which to view death. They could see beyond. They could go, there is an eternal judge. There is God. There is heaven. There is a future. There is righteousness. There is peace. There are all these things. I can see it. And they lived accordingly. They lived like that was true, and, 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 and they lived like they could see out there, and it made them not afraid to drive the car. And here we are in a culture I think generally in, in the Western world where we have this culture and we just don't have answers for these things and we don't have a lot of hope and death for us is this big question mark. We're living in a world without windows. So no wonder we're scared. No wonder we're so afraid to die. It doesn't have to be that way. Paul says death has no victory and he says also, death, where is your sting? The word sting is, the word, is a Greek word, kentron, and it means like poison. Like, not only do you not have to feel the, the defeat of death, but you also don't even have to feel the poison go into you. Like, it doesn't have to poison your experience. It doesn't have to sink down into you and slowly destroy you. Um, you can view it differently. So what, what should we do with that? If, if, if death... If because of Jesus, death has, defeated, has, uh, death, death has been defeated and there, there's no sting to it, how should we be? He answers at the end of chapter 15. Paul says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast is the way we're called to be. If you believe this, that there's life beyond death. If you believe it, be steadfast, be immovable, standing in a very solid place. That's, that's, who, that's who we are and that's who we're called to be. And, and, and be focused. Why? Do work for the Lord. Why? Because you know that working for the Lord is not in vain. You know that there's a long game here. You know about eternity. You know what life is about and what, what you're doing. And if, you, and if you know this, not just know it in your head, but know it in your heart, at your deepest core. If you know it, you won't be afraid to die. You can live without fear. Paul's not just saying pretty words there for the church at Corinth. Hey, guys, remember this. He is. He's encouraging them. But Paul lived this way himself. Listen to way, when he talks about himself sort of uh, autobiographically 
in Philippians chapter 1. Listen to what he says. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. And he kind of goes on after that. How weird is that? He's like, I mean, I could die or live. Uh, living is good, it's Christ, and I'm doing his mission. Dying actually is gain. It's actually better for me if I die. I'm hard-pressed between the two things. Like, who talks that way about dying? Somebody who's internalized what Jesus said and understands it. And they go like, oh, wait a second, there's more. There's more to life than this. There's life beyond death. He really believes it. And it, it changes, changes everything. One of the privileges I have in my job is to go to funerals. I, I probably, I don't go to a lot, but I probably go to more than average because I, I end up performing some funerals for people as a minister, but I also um, go to funerals and, 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 and been to different ones over the years. Um, and um, I, I, I recently, in the past two weeks, went to the funeral of Friend Wells. I, I told you a couple Sundays ago, Friend was on staff at our church in 2009 and 2010 doing family ministry for us, and, and, he, and he passed away a couple weeks ago. Um, and I went to the funeral, and he was young, 61, 62, something like that, and, um, and, and, and he, he had died of cancer. And um, it was really good to hear stories about his life and, and hear people talk and, and, and listen to people sing, and, and we worshiped God and, and talked. And, and I say it's a privilege to go to funerals. Um, and I really feel that way because uh, when I go to a funeral, it always makes me think about what life is about. It, it, it becomes a moment of, hey, pay attention here, because this will be you one day. And you can be like, I don't care what happens at my funeral. I'm not going to be there. <laughs> right, right. But like, but it's a reminder. It pulls it front and center and hangs it right in front of you. Hey, this is going to happen for you one day too. And you need to think about where you're going and where this all goes. And, you know, in every funeral, there's some sadness. A lot of that isn't maybe you're sad that they're gone on for their sake, because maybe they were sore and tired and were ready to go. But it's sadness on your part, right? You're, I'm sad because you're not here, and I, admit I have this hole in my life where you used to be. And I get that. There's always that sadness. Man, I've seen a difference between funerals of people who knew the Lord and loved the Lord and had hope and joy and people who didn't. And when I go to a funeral of people who, who don't know the Lord, there's sadness and there's and, and people will try to say a good word and, and some sometimes that comes across. But when I go to a funeral like friends' funeral, there's joy and there's laughter and there's hope. And even just telling stories about friend up even up into his dying days, he was talking about the church and what could be and, and how do we reach people and, and, and the gospel and, and the hope that he had in his heart. And it's, it's just different. It's just different when people know the Lord.
and when they face death. So let me ask you this question, since this is about fear. Um, are you afraid to die? Are you, are you ready to die? Now, I know I'm bringing that kind of front and center, and that's heavy. Some people go like, oh, man, I, I don't want to talk about that today. And It's a nice day out, and you'll, you'll go to lunch, and maybe somebody will be like, wow, that was heavy, huh? You say, yeah, and then you laugh and go watch football, and then we just carry on with our lives, right? But um, I, I think we need to pull it front and center and look at the thing. So, so that we, we cannot live so afraid of everything that comes up. There's always going to be somebody with an army and a knife and a virus and a hurricane. There's always something. This is part of the fragile existence of humanity. But, but we don't have to be so afraid. Um, I think when, when, when I say, are you, are you ready to die? Are you afraid to die? I think we're, we're afraid because we just think all the things we're going to miss out on. Oh, I, I, but I want to grow up and see my kids wedding or I want to live long enough to be married or I want to live long enough to see this thing happen and we think of all the loss if we died I'm going to miss out on all these things and we don't see the gain we don't say to live as Christ to die is gain we don't see gain in it we don't see oh what's coming is way better but I think if we did it would change our perspective even on our on our own death if we would see not just cost but we would see benefit so Think about that. If you've not been, if you've not given your life to Christ and followed him, then, then check on your card that you want to be baptized and we'll talk to you about baptism and we will baptize you and you can start on this journey with us because I want you to not be afraid. Um, and, and let me make this note for people who are followers of Jesus. Um, we have to lead out in this. Like, people are so critical of Christianity and they're so critical of the church and I hear it, I read it, I'm sure you see it too and they have all the reasons why oh it's so terrible and, and I get it if the church does not, if Christians do not act in any way different than anybody else in culture if we don't live differently, if we don't hope differently, if we don't spend money differently, if we don't do relationships differently, if we don't eat differently, if we, if we do nothing differently than anybody else then all we are are people who are a little busier on Sundays and maybe a little more judgmental, or at least more judgmental about different kinds of things. Like, what's the point of that? If we're gonna be different, this is the area where we should shine. We should be the people of all people who are not afraid to die. I don't wanna die. I, I got things I wanna do. I'm not in a hurry, but I shouldn't be afraid. We need to be different. And listen, parents, Mom and dad in the room, you got children in your home, teach them this now. Teach them what death means for followers of Christ. If you feel like, oh, I don't know how I would talk to him about that, learn some language for it. It's too important. You're gonna teach your kid how to drive and make sure they have broccoli. Can you, can you point them to where this all goes? Like it's too important to, to mail that in and hope that in a Sunday school lesson, some other teacher taught them this. Model this for your children, that we are the people who are not afraid to die. There was so much conversation after September 11th, uh, of, and if you were there, you remember this, and there was a conversation in the parent community. How do you talk to your kids about death? 
And I'm, part of me is like, probably don't wait till now. Maybe if you'd done that before. But also, yeah, this is scary and this is weird. But don't go and tell them this will never happen to you. Because it might. And, and for sure you will die. How do we prepare for that? Let's be honest about that. And if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we have to pass this on to others. And that starts in our own homes. So if you're a parent, please hear me on this and, and pass on that hope because otherwise your kids are going to leave and they're going to go figure out their own answers to all this that they'll be grasping anything and they're going to be as scared and as anxious as everybody else is in the world because they're looking through dark windows. So let's, if you're not giving your life to Christ, please be baptized. Write on your card and we will reach out to you and let's, let's go. If you have given your life to Christ, believe this, hope in it, trust it, and pass it on. Let's pray. Lord, there's so much uh, confusion in culture around death. And it, it is sad. It, it, it's, um, and it's okay to cry. Jesus wept at the, when his friend died. But there is hope and there is something beyond this that we can look forward to because of Jesus. Because he died and came back from the dead, we can do the same. God, let us be people who don't just believe that in our heads, but who believe it in our hearts and live accordingly and do not give in to fear and anxiety that so pervades modern American life. God, I pray in this way we walk differently in the culture. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things.